Good evening, everybody. It is almost July 19th, 2022. It's almost a Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good day. If you didn't have a good day, I'm here to help you relax. This is a place where we talk about poetry. I share some interesting works, share some thoughts, and listen to what you have to say about some of these poems. And then, well, we move on to the next. So this is going to be a sort of a uh, small, shall we say, short live. And so I hope you stick around and enjoy yourselves. If you had a bad day, hopefully we can read some good material that will help you relax, help you somewhat feel comforted and stimulated by some of these words. If you're not a fan of poetry, it's okay. I wasn't either when I was younger, but recently poetry has done some really interesting things for me, and so I hope that it does something interesting for you. So, like I said, please stick around, all right? All right. If you're not familiar with my work, I do a lot of um, videos on some old, old poems, and uh, hey, hey, nice to meet you, Pam. Nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for being here, and I hope you enjoy yourself. Um, it's really great to see people that are new, and I certainly am a big fan of folks that don't like poetry. But if you like it, that's even better. But if you don't like it, I challenge you to at least give this a couple of minutes and listen to some great works, because I'm telling you, this is... <laughs> Wait, 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 Pam's saying Doctor of domina Dominance? <laughs> That's just a gamer tag. Uh, it's something that I developed when I was younger. But no, I am. <laughs> I have a PhD in uh, communication and information design. And, well, anyway, I can, I'm happy to, you know, share more details about it later if you like. But I'm glad you're here, Pam. So Pam said, I didn't say that Siri did... She prepared a translate. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So it's Siri's fault. No problem. Hey, by the way, have you ever wondered if Siri actually like reads poems? You should ask her to do it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Don't do it right now, though. <laughs> she might actually like this. Anyway, y'all. Hey, if there's any dudes in here, by the way, seriously, if there's any guys in here, like I challenge you to at least like memorize some of these titles because the next time you're on a date, I guarantee you that you will impress whoever you're with with some great great poems so let me at least share some great works right all right she can do stories that's right she can do stories but that's not poetry though right let's do some let's ask her to do some poetry all right <laughs> smooth talker hey these guys, I'm not doing the talking here. It's these work, great works of art that these guys are the smooth talkers. All these Victorian poets. Those of you who are not familiar with poetry, by the way, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Those of you who are not familiar with Victorian poetry, it is amazing. Okay. Seriously, like it is considered the golden era of English poetry. And what does that mean? It means that almost every single po Victorian poet has written some genuine words that are filled with wholesome content and more importantly is shall we say enriched with meaning and passion yes but also a sort of longing 
those of you who are, have taken my lives before, I've been at my lives, I love this word longing, okay? So let me share with you one particular poem written by Matthew Arnold, who is a Victorian poet, poet. And this guy, okay, he actually wrote this very sincere poem about longing. Now, why is this, why is this such a big deal? See, most of us tend to think that longing is a sort of like a, uh, eh, it's just a word, right? Like we just, we just say it out of this, you know, out of the blue and just kind of like don't mean anything by it. But what if I told you that longing is a very, very unique phrase in the English language? You see, in French, in France, and in Italy, in Portugal, in Brazil, and many parts of Latin America. Each country has a unique phrase that is almost untranslatable. And I say almost because some things you can obviously like define it in many facets, but many variables. But then like the actual core and sentimental and the actual like interpretation of that word is very difficult. Now, for example, here's a very, very simple case in point. Those of you who speak Portuguese, and especially if you live in Brazil, um, there's a word in Brazil that is usually reserved for a moment that when you miss someone and you like absolutely just love them and you cannot wait to see them again and you have a sort of saddened heart, but also like a, you know, you're totally excited to see them again. And this word is called saudade. Okay, so that is very, very difficult to, to translate into English. Now, why is it difficult? Because how can, you con how can you accumulate all of those things that I just said into one word? Is there, an, is there an equivalent in English? No, not really. Is there an equivalent in French? No, not really. If there's a, is there an equivalent in Arabic? No, not really. And so this is what I mean by there are every culture, every language has a very unique phrase or set of words that is untranslatable now for me in english okay english is not my native language by the way but i've learned it at a young age now why do i love absolutely love this word longing because when you break it down and especially when you look at the core actual root word of it right the latin word for for, for longing means long longere right longere which is, sounds a little bit Italian, but it's longere, L-O-N-G-E-R-E. -E. Now, the root word for longere is extend, okay, or extension. Either or is fine. But what is this, when you, when you tell this to somebody, right, when you tell somebody, hey, I long for you, or like, you know, obviously I'm a guy and I'm going to tell this to a woman, I long for you, honey, right? Like, my beautiful bride, like, I long for you right? My lady, I long for you. What are you actually saying? What are, what are the English people saying? You see, when you take the root word for longere, right? It's an extension, right? And so the more you extend something, right? Like let's say you take a rubber band and in, the, in terms of physics, the, the more you stretch it out, then the more brittle it becomes, right? The more weakened it becomes. And it, and it gets so extended that it becomes like just, it's like basically on the brink of snapping right and so that's why i think that, that this is such a unique word in english right and so i think this is when you tell somebody hey i long for you what you're telling them is that i'm you're extending me so much right i wish i want you to come back 
to me so that I can be whole again and not be so brittle anymore any longer right so it's more than just telling them that you miss them it's more than just telling them that you that you love them it's more than just telling them that you you know you you need them you long for them right like you're metaphorically elongated and therefore you need them with you and that is why english is such a beautiful language and something that i will absolutely defend till the very last breath because I, I lived overseas most of my young life and I've heard many people say, oh yeah, English is such a butchered language. Uh, I don't want to get into the linguistics, his, historical linguistics of, his, of English. And there is some truth to that, by the way. But bottom line is English is rich, is rich with so many languages and it's continuing to grow. It's one of the few languages in the world that doesn't have what's called a academy of language. You see, in France and in Spain, there is a academy that decides what letter of the alphabet is going to be removed or added. This happened to Latin America several years ago, by the way. They decided that in Spain, they decided to take the double L out of the uh, alphabet and not make it a unique alphabet. They just decided to make L a regular a regular alphabet. And then when you put two L's, then you just pronounce it as a Y. And so once they did that decision, that everybody else in Latin America had to follow suit. Every single school, every single institution had to follow suit. The double L is no longer an alphabet, right? Same thing goes with France. France has a very tight grip on the language that whatever the institution decides everybody else in all the african nations that speak french right like like the ivory coast for example they have to follow suit every single school there has to like abide by that language right if you want to learn proper french then you need to follow the institution in paris okay in english that doesn't exist english has no institution right and no, the Royal Academy in Britain doesn't count. The Royal Academy is for science. It's not for literature or language. There is no institution for the English language, which is actually a good thing because then you allow English to be a conglomeration of so many different languages and to let it sort of like organically evolve, right? Into something that is going to sound different one day right like if you take it i don't know this is totally off you know this is totally my perspective but you know 50 years from now it's going to sound very very much like like uh like like a mixture of french and spanish it i mean it already is in some in many ways uh like i said i don't want to make this into a linguistic historical uh life but uh if you would like to look more into that you should look up the battle of normandy um and you will see that because of that battle there is a significant change in the English language because that is when France was a very integral part of the British Empire and wanted to sort of appease both realms, right? Wanted to let the French people and the English people sort of like live in peace with one another for at least a few decades. So all that to say, y'all, English is very very beautiful so 
Shall we continue? <laughs> you just make it up as you go? Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's definitely a way to think of it, perhaps. But at the same time, uh, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Obviously, you know that, Aubrey. <laughs> all right, y'all. Looks like all the regulars are here now. <laughs> Let me, um... What was I gonna go? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, y'all. So, uh, I found a couple of poems. I was reading some tonight. And I didn't really realize that these poems were in here and I was thinking like why didn't I read this before I don't know don't you do that does anybody else do that by the way like you just kind of like question talk to yourself <laughs> and you wonder why uh, you're left with many unanswered questions that's okay this is why I have poetry maybe it'll talk to me sometime I don't know all right, y'all ready? Okay, I'm gonna read to you one particular poem by Sorry. Oh yes, the marvelous, beautiful, extraordinary Christina Rossetti. She is an amazing Victorian poet, and I think you guys will love her very much. I'm going to read one by her that's called Song. And just FYI, it's going to seem a little, I don't know, I wouldn't say morbid, but it's not. It's actually very, very, like, it's a very beautiful poem. And, well, I'll let you, I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> All right. So this is called Song by Christina Rossetti. Here we go. When I am dead, my dearest, sing no sad songs for me. Plant thou no roses at my head, nor shady cypress tree. Be the green grass above me, with showers and dewdrops wet. And if thou wilt remember, and if thou wilt forget, I shall not see the shadows, I shall not feel the rain, I shall not hear the nightingale sing on as if in pain. And dreaming through the twilight that doth not rise nor set, haply I may remember and happily may forget. Isn't this amazing? This woman, Christina Rossetti, such such a uh, so 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 simple, so simple language, but yet the way she arranges it, right? It's it absolutely is like piano playing in the background, right? I'm sorry for all the uh, peas, by the way. <laughs> I, I lost my cover for this thing for blocking the, the p sounds. Anyway, 
I'll keep my distance. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, so beautiful, isn't it? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Cuban. Uh, Cuban, do you speak Spanish, by the way, my friend? Sí, cubano. Hablas español? Quizás. No? You don't want me to speak Spanish? No? <laughs> ah, sí, perdón. Bienvenidos, bienvenidos a ti. Y bueno, tus amigos, tu familia, por favor, díganlo que vengan aquí y que disfruten, que sin, se sintonían, que se relajen y que, pase, que lo pasen bien, ¿cierto? Así que bienvenidos a ti. Un gran abrazo para ti y gracias por tu regalo. Alright, y'all. So, let me do another one by another Rossetti. And his name is Dante Rossetti. I think you guys will like this one. Uh, before, wait, before I read this one, uh, Mr. Cuban, would you like to give us like a nickname at all? Or is Cuban okay? I mean, I have no problem saying whatever you like, sir. But, um, si tienes un poema que quieres que leo, por favor, mándame el título. Yo lo busco aquí y lo leo. Okay? Con Harold, Harold, thank you so much, thank you. That's a great name, by the way. So, Harold, if there is a poem you would like for me to read, please let me know. I'll look it up, do my best, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah? All right. Y'all, this one is by Dante Gabriel Rossetti. I know, it is so nice. Y'all, <laughs> Jennifer, everybody else, say hi to Harold, seriously. It's so nice to see a guy here, like... No offense, like, I'm so happy that all you all here, and I love it. I love it. But you know, but all of you know that I've been, like, wanting a dude to be in here, right? So, Harold, <laughs> welcome. I hope you stay. I hope you have a great time. And please, I, I mean that sincerely. Like, if there is a poem that you would like for me to read, I'd be happy to, to read it. Okay? And the same goes with the rest of y'all. Jennifer, Aubrey, and um, who else did I miss here? Uh, Colleen, you know, uh, shoot, I forgot everybody else's name, and everybody else. Thank you so much for being here. If there's a poem you'd like for me to read, just let me know. All right, so this one is titled Sudden Light. This is by Dante Gabriel Rossetti. You ready? Let's do this. I have been here before, but when or how, I cannot tell. I know the grass beyond the door, the sweet keen smell, the sighing sounds, the lights around the shore. You have been mine before. How long ago, I may not know. But just when, at that swallow's soar, your neck turned, so. Some veil did fall, I knew it all of yore. Has this been thus before? And shall not thus time's edifying flight? Still with our lives, 
our love restore in death's despite. And day and night yield one delight once more. So, quick little uh, information about this poem. And this is debated by many, many scholars, okay? But there's a debate about this particular piece that is not... A lot of scholars tend to think that Dante Rossetti did not finish this poem. And uh, I think he suffered from some type of, like... I can't remember. It was either like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. But anyway, he would suffer these massive, massive attacks, massive episodes. And so um, when he... the, The argument by scholars is that he was writing this and he was writing it to a woman. And he didn't finish it, which is why the very last sentence... Sorry, the very last line ends in a question. And so I very much would love to have thought... I I like to think about poems in the way like, what if it was extended? What if it was like, continued? What if it was like, you know, given a different version? And so um, for this one, I don't know. What do you guys think? So this question at the end, he asks, at day and night yield one delight once more let me sorry let me read that last last um this last verse so i said he he says and shall not thus time's edifying flight still with our lives our love restore in death's despite and day and night yield one delight once more so you can imagine right like you can imagine Yes, you're absolutely right. So whoever, Esand, thank you for saying that. So he was in love. Yeah, he was absolutely in love. Absolutely in love. But what's interesting is that here he is trying to compare, right? He's trying to compare his own life being this sort of like dark, dark, like sort of like abyss, right? Darkness. And it's only when he is introduced and discovers this woman that he's writing towards that he realizes, wow, like my life isn't as dark as I used to think it was. Right? And check this out, guys. Check this out. This is something that we can definitely debate about this. But... It is true that when you meet the right person, that they offer some type of light into your life, right? Right? So whatever, like, depression you're going through, whatever sadness you're going through, whatever, like, unhappiness, whatever, you know, whatever negative sentiment you have, they, this other person offers some type of light for you, right? Which is why we like to use that as a metaphor, right? Like, you are my light, you are my path, so to speak. But here's where... Here is where things like can sort of be a little bit, it's not as simple as it sounds. And here's why. You see, the title of this poem is called Sudden Light. Okay. How many of you have ever been spelunking, right? Or like caving, right? How many of you have done that? And, and, And when you have done that, 
Do you remember when you were walking into a cave and there was a point where you could not see anything? Like it is pitch black, 100%. There is no way your eye can adjust because there is no light in that cave, right? There's absolutely no light in it. It's a little scary, okay? And yes, you're right, Jennifer. It is kind of causes a little bit of a panic attack. But what I want to say, guys, is that yes, somebody that you love so much can offer a light to your life. But what also indirectly happens is that it accentuates your darkness even more. <laughs> I don't mean to be negative here, guys, okay? I don't mean to be negative at all. But but I want you to realize the sort of like scariness of what it means to be in a relationship. Because yes, some of us do tend to uphold the other person as kind of like a deity, right? Like, oh man, you are my light, right? It's such a responsibility. Wow, I'm your light? Really? And then, you know, what happens when they're no longer in the picture, right? What happens when they go away for a long time? What happens? You know, that word longing, right? Your heart is and your life is kind of in a, an abyss again. You, know, you understand what I'm saying here? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So Dante Rossetti, sudden light, right? It's, it's, it's a, you know, his woman is his light right is his life and he is very very happy that she's with him but at the same time he's also realizing that this is a sudden light and this sudden light can also be sudden darkness because the moment that this light is away or turns in a different direction he is back to that darkness again and that's what is scary about relationships because we do put all of that, I wouldn't say all of it, but a large responsibility on that other person. Right? Which is why I recommend to all my guys, right? All of my friends, all my guy friends that, especially ones that go through divorces, if you want to have a lasting and healthy relationship then your own life cannot be in an unstable environment it can't be in a darkness it can't be in a state of like sadness it can't be in a state of hurt it can't be in any type of being in desperation you have to be already in the light in order to be with light. Right? Like, I'm, obviously, I'm talking metaphorical here. So, this is a great poem. And so that question, okay? That question that Dante Rossetti is asking, he says, And day and night yield one delight once more. You see day and night they're opposites but 
when you put them together, it it sort of like eliminates both of the the light and the darkness, and then it just becomes it just is. <laughs> it's not darkness, and it's not necessarily light. It's complicated. <laughs> so, great poem, right? Such a great poem. So nice. Once again, the title is "Sudden Light" by Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Is that nice? Love it. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you, and I encourage you guys to read it. By the way, right? So after this live, go back, find this poem, read it, dwell on it, let it like just like simmer in your mind, and then let it sort of like sink down to your heart, and then you can like appreciate these words once more. No, fantastic, fantastic. All right. Um, ooh, let's do another one. Let's do another one. This is so good. This is so good. Okay. This is by Don Marquise. Marquise, right? So Don Marquise. He is not a Victorian poet, but he is much older than the Victorian era. And I forget what era that is. I'll look it up later. Anyway, Don Marquise. You guys love it? <laughs> Sorry, are you guys ready? <laughs> um, you don't like the background music? Come on, Ash. I love it. It's supposed to be dark. <laughs> um, giving you intense anxiety? Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Come on. Let's do this. Ready? So this is called Only Thy Dust. Once again, the title of this one is called Only Thy Dust by Don Marquis. Y'all ready? Let's do this. Only thy dust is here. Thy dust. But when chill May uncloses her petals and is June. I feel a heartbreak shake the roses. Earth and the sun were sweet to us. Green grass and brooks and laughter. And I cannot think of thee a ghost within some strange hereafter. Dawn and the hills were glad of us tossed corn and windy meadows, and I should not know thee as a shade, pallid among pale shadows. Stars and streams were friends to us, clear skies and wintry weather, and it was not wraith and wraith with us, but flesh and blood together. Only the dust of thee is here. But when mine own day closes, I will lie down beside thee, love, and mingle with thy roses. Oh, that's so good. It's cold. 
the dust, only thy dust by Don Marquis. Guys, did you love that? By the way, thank you so much, Harold, for your gifts. That was really kind of you. But no, seriously, like, wasn't that so good? Oh, man, it's so good. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Guys, do you know what was happening here? Seriously. Do you know what was happening here? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay? Imagine. Once again. Imagine. <sighs> Sorry, I have to collect my thoughts here. So, we've all lost someone, and I don't know how many of you have, I, I'm sorry to use this word, but incinerated, okay? I don't know how many of you have incinerated your loved ones. But obviously, there is a very significant purpose to this, right? Some of us like to scatter their dust, right? In a particular place that they preferred, wherever that may be. But, have you ever thought about mixing... Oh, thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you again, Mr. <laughs> thank you again, Harold. But have you ever thought about, like, what happens when you mix their dust and then yours? It's I know it sounds a little strange, and maybe to some of you it sounds a little gross. But think about it. Like, what are you doing with that act? Is it really, like, just a way of honoring them? Or is it more about another act of love that you become one? Have you ever thought about that? Here's a little simple analogy here, okay? I don't know how many of you like to drink uh, coffee or tea or whatever. I like to drink tea. But when you look at tea, okay, and you're mixing... I don't know, the tea leaves in there and you're mixing honey or whatever it is that you like to put in it. After the, the entire mixture, okay, after the entire mixture, can you tell what's the tea and what's the honey or the whatever it is, the, whatever else you put in there? Can you tell what's the difference between the two? It's difficult, right? Very, very difficult. And so, um, why is this? Why is this such an important analogy? You see, when you mix the dust together, there's no difference. There's no. There's no distinction. There's no separation. There's no longing. There's no... Individuality. 
Isn't that such an endearing thought? I certainly don't want to like fast forward my life, but I would imagine that whenever I pass away, you know, and this is totally up to, you know, my lady, you know, whoever that may be, like <laughs> if she wants to, you know, if she wants to be cremated or whatever, like, I don't know. I have no, I have, I haven't really thought about this, honestly, but like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it would be like interesting. Like, if, if our dusts were together, right? It sounds a little weird to, to say that, but I, you see, I want my body, I want my heart, I want my thoughts, I want my words to be so intertwined with hers that even our dust particles are inseparable. I will love that woman so, so much and so well. I want to be part of her. And I want her to be part of me. I love that thought. And I love this poem. Once again, the title of this poem is Only Thy Dust. <laughs> Thank you so much, Harold. You're so kind. Seriously, man. I, I really appreciate it. Seriously. Thank you so much. But once again, the title of this is called Only Thy Dust by Don Marquise. Let me read the following poem by none other than the great Edgar Allan Poe. Harold, you miss home? It's my pleasure. That's, I'm very humbled that you said that. Please, let me know if there's a poem you'd like for me to read sometime. I'd be happy to do that, man. Seriously. Alright, let me read one poem by Edgar Allan Poe. This one, is one, this one is titled, To One in Paradise. It's actually a lovely poem, guys. Very lovely. You ready? Thou wast all that to me, love, for which my soul did pine, a green isle in the sea, love, a fountain and a shrine, all wreathed with fairy fruits and flowers, and all the flowers were mine. Ah, dream too big to last. Ah, starry hope, thou didst arise, but to be overcast. A 
voice from out of the future cries, On! On! But o'er the past, dim gulf, my spirit hovering lies, mute, motionless, aghast. For alas, alas, with me the light of life is o'er. No more. No more. No more. Such language holds the solemn sea to the sands upon the shore. Shall bloom the thunder-blasted tree with a stricken eagle soar. And all my days are trances, and all my nightly dreams are where thy dark eyes glances, and where thy footstep gleams. In what ethereal dances by what eternal streams. I love this poem. It always, always just moves. I hope it moved you. It's good to cry out your tears. Once in a while, we need to do that. Even as men, we need to do that. Just let it out, you know? All that pain, all that sorrow, all those lost loved ones, all the what-ifs, all the, all the longings, all of the moments that, man, I wish I was there with you, man. I wish. The title of this poem is To One in Paradise by Edgar Allan Poe. It is so beautiful. What a gift this man has. You know, he he absolutely gets misinterpreted very much by so many people you know because most people tend to just focus on some of the darker narratives that he's created right the short stories that are have like a darker message and by all means he's really good at it okay he's really good at it but a lot of people tend to forget that this man was also very sentimental very sentimental he had such a profound experience and a passion for loving a woman and not just any woman right like the woman that he was absolutely entranced by engulfed consumed taken used in many ways possessed and I mean that in a very respectful way, by the way. Not as a demonic way. This man 
understood what it means to love a woman, to pursue her, to tell her that you take my moments every single day and I cannot write another verse without thinking of you. I am absolutely in love with you. And even after the grave, your love is in the flowers of your tomb. I can smell your perfume. I can taste your lips. And I can hear your voice in the words that I write to you. You will never, ever be alone because I am not alone. That's how much I loved you. And that's how much I continue to love you. <laughs> this man is a great writer. of yore that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary wayworm wanderer bore to his own native shore O desperate seas long wont to roam the high thy hyacinth hair thy classic face Thy naïd airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece and the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, how statue-like I see thee stand, the agate lamp within thy hand. Ah, uh, psych. 
the regions which are holy land. I'm telling you, you guys need to read Edgar Allan Poe. This man knew how to write about love for a woman. It's, it's this guy's a master. <laughs> this guy's good. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna continue. <laughs> I'm gonna read one by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Same sort of tone. This one's called Give All to Love. Give all to love. Obey thy heart. Friends, kindred, kindred, days, estate, good fame, plans, credit, and the muse. Nothing refuse. Tis a brave master. Let it have scope. Follow it utterly. Hope beyond hope, high and more high, it dies into noon with winged, unspent, untold intent, but it is a god, knows its own path and the outlets of the sky. It was never for the may, for the mean, it re requireth courage stout, souls above doubt, valor unbending. It will reward. They shall return. More than they were. And ever ascending. Leave all for love. Yet hear me. Yet. One word more thy heart behoved. more of firm endeavor. Keep thee today, tomorrow, forever, free as an Arab of thy beloved. Cling with life to the maid, but when the surprise, first vague shadow of sunrise, flits across her bosom young, of a joy apart from thee. Free be she, fancy free, nor thou detain her vesture's hem from the palest rose she flung from her summer diadem. Thou loved her as thyself, as a self pure clay, though her parting dims the day, stealing grace from all alive, heartily know when half gods go, the gods arrive. <laughs> Definitely different, for sure. 
Just a couple more here. And actually, I'll do about three more. Okay. All right. I'm just going to keep going. This one is written by Jean Inglo. And this one is titled 70 times 3 Love. I leaned out of window. I smelt the white clover. Dark, dark was the garden. I saw not the gate. Now if there be footsteps, he comes, my one lover. Hush, nightingale, hush. Oh, sweet nightingale, wait till I listen and hear if I, if a step draweth near. For my love, he is late. The skies in the darkness stoop nearer and nearer. A cluster of stars hangs like fruit in the tree. The fall of the water comes sweeter, comes clearer. To what art thou listening, and what dost thou see? Let the star clusters grow, let the sweet waters flow and cross quickly to me. You night moths that hover, where honey brims over from sycamore blossoms or settle or sleep. You glowworms shine out and the pathway discovered him that comes darkling along the rough steep. Ah, my sailor, make haste, for the time runs to waste and my love lieth deep. Too deep for swift telling, and yet, my one lover, I've calmed thee unanswer, it waits thee tonight. By the sycamore passed he, and though the white clover, then all the sweet speech I had fashioned took flight. But I'll, but I'll love him more more than e'er wife loved before, be the days dark or bright. Man, we're hitting the jackpot with so many good poems here. <laughs> These are great. And this one certainly has... You guys remember that scene in uh, Braveheart when William Wallace was pursuing his lady and uh she was still living well it, obviously it's a very custom right and some countries still do this by the way <laughs> but anyway the woman he was pursuing uh was living with her parents and so uh you know obviously he wanted to see her right they were they were they were wanting to date whatever and uh they escaped in the middle of the night right and and <laughs> and met in the middle of the forest late at night and so that's what i was thinking when i was reading this poem it's like oh man you know this is sort of like a little getaway right a secret not a secret love but like a love that is practiced in secret which is different by the way okay it's not that he doesn't want her to be known as his woman but he's being respectful of her parents, right? So, 
I love that scene, by the way. I love that scene in that movie. So, like, bam. It's like, yes. Like, I want, <laughs> I want to possibly, like, recreate that scene with, you know, with my woman sometime, you know? It's like, hey, let's, let's go, to the, let's go, like, two o'clock at night and just, like, go to the forest somewhere and just, like, you know, have fun there, you know? <laughs> we'll go skinny tipping, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I'll check it out before, make sure everything's safe, so don't, so don't worry. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Did you guys enjoy that video, by the way, with the fire? Um, this past week, I was uh, spending a lot of time with my brothers and, and my dad. <clears throat> And so we went to Tennessee and hung out there for a few days. And, um, well, during one of the nights when we made a fire, you know, such a great time. We were sharing stories. And I thought about somebody. And I was thinking... You know, this is one of the first nights that I haven't really shared many words with her. And then I was thinking, like, are my words important? I don't know if they're for her. But for me, I did feel they were important. And so I sent her a nice message that night. Just letting you know that I was thinking about her. And as I was looking at this fire, I was thinking, man, I really want my words to be long lasting. I want them to be something that she can hold on to, she can think about, she can be motivated by. And she can be supported in many ways. And so I thought about that poem, right? It's a very short poem, right? So like, I want to burn words with you. I'm going to burn words with you. Right? Not in a negative way, right? Like, I'm going to feed the fire that's between us. And I'm going to throw so many words, right? I'm not throw, but like I'm going to share so many words with you that it's going to sustain us even in the most coldest winters, even in the times when we are away, even in the times when we are separated, even in the times when we are in perhaps even in desolate circumstances. It's the words that I have for you that I will try my best to sustain our relationship. So yeah, I wrote that poem with the fireplace in mind as a metaphor. I'm going to burn words for with you. I'm going to keep giving you words that will make 
make you dream at night. That will offer you peace and hope and affirmation that by the time you wake up, such a light to others. Just as much you as you are to me. So I want to burn words with you. Glad to hear it, Jen. You know, I think I shared this story with you. I used to live in a very, very small apartment. It was actually a, t a house. It was so tiny. <laughs> All I had was this love seat, a library shelf, a bookshelf, I mean, and uh, a queen-size bed. And then, you know, I had the kitchen and the bathroom. So small. It was like 420 square feet. <laughs> but I remember during winter, the best heating system it didn't take long at all to heat this place and I remember like whatever is going on in my life you know doesn't matter because I was coming home to a house that was warm it was a peaceful place and I felt like I had everything in the world. <laughs> I was thinking about that place when I wrote that poem, by the way. <laughs> because the woman that I was pursuing, I wanted her light to be my light. I wanted us to have the same light. She kept me warm at night. In more ways than I can imagine. And so that poem was more like a... an honor for her. I don't know if she enjoyed it. I don't know if she cherishes it. But as for me, I have full intentions of making that the sweetest words that you'll hear from me. Let me finish this live with one last poem. 
and this is and this is by Pauline Soroka. This is titled Understanding. If I should ever need to reach your heart or feel the firmness of your clasping hand, I pray that you will always do your part to guide my groping way and understand that sometimes, even in a love like ours, dim shadows of unrest may dare to grow, and in the darkness of these sudden hours, your gentle touch or words might make them go. If I should search for a reassurance, dear, within the quiet depths of your own eyes, oh, let their gaze remain as wise and clear, without rebuke or sharpness of surprise. For if you shut me out to grope in vain, I may not wish to seek your door again. I continue to share these words with you. I continue to these read these poems with y'all. I continue in search of the great love. <laughs> As always, y'all, it's always a pleasure sharing these stories with y'all. And I look forward to the next one. I don't know when that will be. It's always great to see all the regulars here. Once again, Jennifer, Aubrey, Colleen, all y'all. Thank you so much for always being encouraging and always for sharing your thoughts. I hope that you enjoyed yourselves. Thank you, Cami, for being here. I don't know if she's still on the live. But... Um, hope you are all well and that tomorrow is even better for you have a great great evening and let me know if I can read a poem for you sometime anyway thank you have a great great evening buenas noches